Howdy everyone and welcome to Rough Talk with Al the Dog Trainer. I'm Al Longoria and I'll be your host today. You can expect several things from this podcast. Rough Talk is going to be a series of audio experiences covering my day-to-day interactions with my clients and their dogs, as well as content from my live shows and anything else I can think of that may bring you value. It is my hope that this content will help you raise a happy and reliable dog. Howdy gang, I'm Al the Dog Trainer and welcome to episode 6 of Rough Talk. In today's episode, you're going to hear a conversation that I had with Michelle, who wanted some help with getting her toy poodle, Spice, trained. Spice is going to be four months old next week. Here are some of the things you will hear us discuss. Fundamentals in dog training. How to potty train a dog. How to determine when to give more access. How to leash walk a dog, among other topics. I sure hope this is useful for you. So with that out of the way, here is that conversation. Hi, this is Michelle. Hey, Michelle. It's Al, the dog trainer. How are you this morning? I am fine, thank you. How are you? Hey, I am doing really, really well. So, hey, yeah, I just wanted to get an opportunity to kind of hear what's going on about you and your dog. What What's your dog's name? My dog's name is Spice. Spice, okay. Yeah, so tell me, what's, what's going on with Spice? So, um... Spice will be four months uh, next week. Okay. Or I guess on Sunday. Uh, she's a toy poodle, and I'm just very new to this. When I was younger, I had poodles. I just wasn't good with them. I wasn't good with um, training, and I just really wanted to do a do-over. So I I feel like I'm in information overload. Um, Man, I understand I, that. <laughs> too many, you know, trying too many different things. Some things seem like they're working, and I just don't feel like I have a good game plan like, or a good path forward. Okay. So when it comes to house training, I am putting her in the crate. She's fine in the crate. She hasn't had accidents in the crate. Um, I'm starting to get a handle on, you know, getting her outside habits. So I, I'm choosing not to use pads. Um, I do have an AstroTurf area okay. um, that I use for her in the back of my home. And then I typically take her for a long walk in the morning um, where she is going to the bathroom and, you know, does last for a while. I'm just trying to figure out how to transition to give her more room and space to roam in the house outside of the crate. I'm starting with... Um, uh, I don't know what it's called. It's a plastic pen. Okay, yeah, like a playpen. That gives, yeah, that gives her... Uh, I tried the the material ones, and she chews those. So this one is just all plastic. Good. And it seems to be working well. Um, so, I, you know, I'm just trying to figure out, is that a good approach? How long do I do that? Um so that's the, the training aspect of it. Like, I want to be able to give her more room to play okay. um, without me just, like, watching her every second. Yeah, right. But it's I, like I a full-time her. job, right? <laughs> so. Oh. Yes, absolutely. It feels like a full-time job. Okay. So, okay, let me kind of, uh, I, I took notes here, so let me let me make sure I got everything. And if you want to add anything or interrupt me at any point, feel free to do that. So 
Uh, your dog's name is Spice. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Uh, so going to be four months. Uh, there's a toy poodle. Uh, you'd like to get better at, you know, just training and you feel like there's a ton of information out there just pulling you in a lot of directions. Uh, right. You said that house training is going pretty well, but it kind of sounded like maybe it's not going as well as you'd like it to. Uh, then uh, you're putting her on AstroTurf in the backyard, and she's also going when you go on walks. Yes. Okay, so let me type that when she goes on walks, goes on walks. Okay, uh, you'd like to know how to give your dog more freedom, and you've tried some play pens. You put her in like a fabric play pen, and she started chewing that up, but you're using a plastic one, and that sounds to be doing better. And so you kind of want to know, kind of the same question, how long should you be using the playpen for uh, so you can give the dog freedom? Is that is that right? Yes. All right. Is there anything else that you want to ask? I'm going to kind of go down the list and kind of help you uh, just, you know, get my thoughts on those things. Oh, I appreciate that. And then the other is on walks. I'd say she's okay 50% of the time. The other 50% is a little bit of a drag. I mean, she's four pounds, so it's a little easy to drag her. Um so I'm trying to get a little bit better with getting her loose leash walking without being distracted by every little thing that's on the ground. Um, and along those lines, when it comes to training and basic commands, like sit, stay, come, um, trying to figure out how to introduce that and then also concerned about um, too many treats like she's little i don't want to over treat her nor do i want her to always have to rely on a treat to do things like be better with walking with the leash or when i start to go beyond just kind of house training and leash training how do i make that transition oh okay man that, that i like that question that's certainly uh how do i make the transition from okay how do i word that how to make the transition from uh i'm gonna put it this way but it might not be what you mean uh, but i'll I'll, uh, I'll help okay so how do i make the transition from luring and baiting to voice commands and gestures that might does that sound like what you're asking yeah, I, I think that's very reasonable. And let me just say, I am ecstatic. I appreciate you taking the time. I literally just stumbled upon you on um, Alexa, and I'm just very excited. I, I hear your enthusiasm and passion about this, <laughs> and I just kind of want that. I want to establish a wonderful relationship with the pet, with with Spice, because that's why I have her. Yeah, and right. I just want to do it right the first this time because I didn't do it right when I was much much younger. Yeah, no, hey man, I I really I get that, I really do. So, um, but the, you know, so you try, you know, and you try and you try your best. Okay, well, look, let me let me get down this uh, this list that you've given me because, um, yeah, and you know what I might do for you because it, you're like. I'm a little worried about you for because I'm going to answer all these. How the heck are you going to remember all this stuff, man? So I, I'm i going to see if I can share this recording with you. It, I've got so much work today, just video editing and stuff like that. And uh, anyway, I'm going to try to get all this to you so that way you can go back and listen to it again. 
And yeah, we'll, we'll we'll go from there. But if you're taking notes, I think that would be really wonderful if you were doing that. Yes, first. I definitely set myself up to be able to do that. <laughs> okay, okay, good. Uh, so, look, let, let me kind of give you just four kind of basic things, and then I'm going to use that to help you with the different areas. So, as far as I can tell, humans need to understand how to do four things particularly well. You got to understand how to communicate non-verbally. So that's a really, really big one, okay? The next thing that you gotta do is how do you introduce your voice so that way you can turn it into a voice command? Um, the first one, like, you know, the nonverbals, that's just actually, um, you know, practicing with your leash, practicing with having food in your hands, practicing how you're gonna move your arms and legs and not actually talking because that actually tells the dog way more than your voice does. So then the next, okay. yeah, so the next part is, is if you understand how to do that, like you should today aim to have a silent training session, even if it's just five minutes of trying to accomplish something without saying anything to the dog, it, it can really be revelatory to people about the power of silence. But it's really the power of those other things, the, the leash, the food and the movements, Right. So then if you learn that, that's what professional dog trainers do is once they can get the dog to do what they want, then they end up adding the words to the nonverbals. And that begins the process of the translation. Does that make sense? Okay. 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 So the so first two, again, to just reiterate it, the nonverbals, okay, which are your leash work, your food work, and your body language work. And then you begin associating the voice to that. So not only are you associating the voice to those things, but you're also associating it to the third major area, which is the target and the bullseyes that you're trying to hit with the dog. So you should think of it, you should think of it like aiming your dog at a target. So you know your target can be big, it can be small. In the beginning with your dog, you want the target to be kind of big because it should be easy enough for you and the dog to hit. Okay? And you should define the target as basically space. Like right now, I'm sitting in a chair. That's a, a, it's a defined space. So a lot of the times, if you watch any of my content on YouTube or these other social platforms, I'm putting the dog on an elevated bed because it's a pretty big target for the dog's body. Right? Okay. So we got the nonverbals. We've got the verbal cues. We've got the aiming the dog at a target. And then we have the last part, which is the most important for the dog, which is the meaning. Like, what's so good about doing that? So when you hit the targets and the bullseyes that you want your dog to hit, you have to understand who your dog is and reward them with something that they thoroughly enjoy. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's look at potty training. We're going to start from the end. We're going to start with the meaning. So maybe your dog enjoys vigorous petting. Maybe your dog enjoys calm petting. Maybe your dog enjoys beef treats. Maybe your dog enjoys salmon dog food. There's so many options here. You have to determine, hey, my dog has an inclination for one of these more so than the others. So that's the beginning. How of, do you do that? What's well, real easy, okay? So it's very, very easy. So, like, right now, I could ask you, do you prefer $20 bills over $10 bills? And you would tell me, I prefer 20s, right? right? But if you couldn't tell me through your words, I would have to determine that through your actions. 
So I would put a $20 bill and a $5 bill in front of you or whatever bills, right? And I would watch which one you, you took more often than not. And I would also watch how you took it. So like today, you'd go to the pet store, you would buy a beef treat, a salmon treat, and a lamb treat. It, it could be any three, right? And then one at a time, you begin to offer them to the dog and really don't just give them to the dog and relish in the moment. Watch the dog closely and see what, if you can tell if there's one that has more value than the others. Does that make sense? Yes. But you, but that takes your attention, and you have to really be empathetic in that moment. So that's not easy for us to do, but that's what a pro, that's what a professional dog trainer will do. Okay. Okay. So now let's look at your potty training issue. Okay. So what's the target? If the target is being over the you know being over the astroturf, great. So you'll use your nonverbals, your leash, maybe even picking up the dog, maybe even having that valuable treat in your hand, and you take the dog to the target. And then you're going to deploy patience as you wait for the dog to do it. And then the moment you do it, you leverage the value of the thing the dog wants and you give it to the dog over the top of the target. Okay. And... And you should do enough of it that the dog is like, wow, this is a remarkable moment, and I need, I need to remember this. Okay. All right. Now you have to prevent accidents. So the, next part, the, the last part of the equation is your dog shouldn't have free access to the things that it's not doing well with. So if your dog is pooping in the house, the food is not freely available. If the, if the dog is peeing in the house, then the water is not freely available. You control those. So when you give your dog access to those, you put your dog in the crate. And then sometime later, and you have and this is the part you'll have to pay attention again. It could be could be 15 minutes, it could be 45 minutes. Every dog's different. You'll bring the dog back out, aim the dog at the target, deploy patience. Your dog uses the restroom, and then what do you do? You deploy the meaningful thing, and the dog has a learning moment. And then you repeat that process. So I would say you should repeat that process for no less than 10 days because you got to form the habit. you got to wire the brain up so it knows to do that automatically. Okay. Okay, what did you learn right there? Yeah. So like as you're getting over the target, it's perfectly acceptable to say, hey, go potty, go potty. But your nonverbals speak way more than your verbal cues do in the beginning. Okay. And then the other piece is the repetition and like setting a realistic time frame. So I don't think I've been crazy. I have patience a, majority, a lot of the time. But again, just trying to figure out. And I don't think she's doing poorly. Um, but like I said, I kind of want to just be able to grow into that, just a better relationship. Well, let me put it this way. I'm going to tell you that I'm going to tell you one of my secrets in dog training. Okay. It's never the dog's fault. It's always mine. Okay. 
Okay. That's the secret. Because the animal does what I, like I, I designed their environment and I'm mm -hmm. the one that's leading them. I never grade the dog unless we're competing. And we're, okay. and this is, you're not doing a potty training competition. You're teaching the dog. So like when the dog messes up, then you say, ah, yeah, I see where I went wrong because you, you truly only control yourself, right? But you can help the dog by structuring its environment to where the environment and the cues that you're giving are pointing clearly at the target you're wanting the dog to hit. Okay. Okay. So now that leads us to the next one. How do you give the dog more freedom? Easy. You have trained habits so that way you don't have to tell the dog to do the right thing to do. And how do you create that? Repetitions and being consistent. And the way that I call that is a daily personal dog training habit. Okay. That's your, that, the, your daily personal dog training habit is the thing that guarantees the dog's success. And how long, like, what is this training habit or training session? Well, like, do you have children? I do. Did you ever wake up and say, I'm going to allot 3.4 hours to one of my kids? <laughs> no. Okay. Do you understand? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry that I can't give you a better answer. I really wish I could answer that question specifically, but I'm just not smart enough. But I guess I'm also relating that to, um, I've heard you say short, like almost short burst of training sessions. Well, yeah. So. You, and you know why? Because if you make it too long, you know what you'll do? You'll give up. Okay. This is not, you know, I, you know how long I can put a dog into a stay for? Like, let me ask you, how long can you watch YouTube videos or net or Netflix? It's a passive skill. Uh. You can do it for hours because it's just, it's, you know, it's really, really easy. So teaching a dog how to stay is a passive skill. In the beginning, it's conscious because they have to think, what's so good about staying here? And why am I not allowed to come off? Those are the two fundamental questions. And you have to answer both of those questions. Okay. So how do you give okay. the dog freedom? You, you practice. And then when the dog fails, you're like, oh, they don't know that their, their brain isn't at the point, you know, where it is. The, but the first thing you'll check is like, hey, is my messaging on target? If your messaging's off target, then, you know, how can you blame the dog? Right. Okay. Okay. I'm so yeah. glad that you moved to the plastic playpen because, you know, you got to make it hard. But if your dog is chewing the fabric, the fabric playpen, that's the most entertaining thing in that space. Right. That's what the dog is telling you. So you should aim things of fabric inside the playpen that you don't mind being destroyed. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not that the dog is being a bad dog. The dog is just telling you this is what this is what my genetics tell me I should go after. Mm -hmm. Good thing that you hardened it by making it plastic, but it doesn't solve the problem of the dog. You know, the dog is searching for things to interact with. Okay. Okay. So on walks, what's the target? Write this one down, okay? Mm -hmm. Behind the front of my body, on the left-hand side, when the leash is slack. So what you should do, it doesn't matter if your dog's in a down, a sit, or a stand. 
you should orient yourself to where the dog is in that position. Your dog's toes should not be beyond your heel. That's why it's called healing. Oh. Right? Well, it's okay. Every, that's, everybody is, okay? So uh, now it's going to feel really funky. You're going to have to reward the dog when the dog is in that position. And your brain's going to tell you to... Are you right-handed? Yeah. Your brain's going to tell you to, put the, to, to turn around and feed the dog with your right, and that's going to put the dog in front of you. So... You're going to have to do this kind of squat, you know, a squat with the dog on your left, and you're going to have to bring the food down pretty low to your toy poodle. Okay. And then you're going to have to feed the dog that way. And if you want the dog to have a habit of being there on your left-hand side, guess how good you have to make it there? You have to make it better than everything else that's outside. And guess how long that's going to take you? It's going to take you some time. (laughs) Okay. So that's why your daily personal dog training habit is so important so you can do that. Now. And that's funny because I feel like she almost naturally does that. But I thought she was kind of, but I never felt her. I thought she was kind of nipping at my heel. But that is naturally where she tends to go. Then you're lucky. Then be, then I you're... have to think about that. But that's where, I mean, I do. I feel like that's really where she is. But now you got to reinforce it to fortify it because if it's not fortified, then any distraction that's more valuable than that at the moment will unhinge your dog. Okay. And this is where, and, and that's going to happen even no matter how well you reinforce the dog. And this is where your leash work is very important. So, okay. do you know how to use a leash? So it's real simple. You you know, like I'm going to send you some videos when we're done with our conversation for you to watch. But I want you to get an elevated bed for your dog. I want you to get a, you know, use a, use a short four, four foot to five foot leash. Okay. And then learn how to put some pressure down the leash. Very gentle, but enough that the dog can feel it. Put the dog onto the target, the elevated bed. Relax the leash. And then feed the dog. That's leash work. And what you're showing the dog is that I'm going to turn the leash on. I'm going to aim you at the target. When you hit the target, I'm going to turn the leash off and I'm going to give you a piece of food. And as you get repetitions of that and aim the dog at the target, whether it's a bed or your heel position, your dog will understand how you're going to use the leash. And even if your dog doesn't need the leash to hit the target, I want you to use it anyway because this is how the dog learns when there's distractions what the leash actually means. Now, when you say gentle pressure, just like you mean like a little tug. Well, it's steady and smooth. But it is assertive. And so once you tighten it up, you begin to push it forward. And if the dog resists, it continues to move forward and the pressure will build, but you're not bringing any more than you did initially. And that's not easy for folks to do. I wish I could coach you through it, but this is what you get. Okay. And, and you know, and this is kind of hard for folks, but, you know, you can do it. If you just assert some patience, you know, you have some patience, you have really nice rewards for the dog, it won't take you all that long to be able to figure it out. 
Now, when it comes to not over-treating your dog, I'm going to show you how I do this, but this is extreme for folks. But this is the way that I do it. I'm very successful. Once I know... Once I know which treats my dog loves, and let's just say for this example, it's beef. I go to the pet food store and I buy beef-based dog food. And then daily, for an extended period of time, I put the beef-based dog food into my treat pouch and I work the dog for their meals. Okay. And I will put the rations for that day in the pouch and then when that's done, there's no more food for the dog. And this is how I avoid over-treating them. Okay. Okay. All right. So last thing, how do I make the transition from luring and baiting to voice commands and gestures? Well, first you get really good at luring and baiting and using your leash. And then as you get better at that process, you add in the voice commands and as you continue to practice, you begin to, this is hard, you begin to not use, you, you have the leash and the food on, on the dog and on your body, but you try to just use your body language and your verbal cues to tell the dog what to do. And then when the dog does it and you didn't use the food, you still reward the dog with the thing that it wants, whether it's petting, play, or food. But if you didn't use the food to get the dog to do what you want, there is no dependency. If you get the dog to do what you want, the dog does it, and then you feed it, that does not grow a dependency. If you put the food, and the dog can see and smell the food, then does the work, and then you subsequently give it to the dog, that will grow the dependency. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Keep your hands out of the treat pouch. Do not visibly show your dog the food until after the work is done. And that's a per repetition basis, but as you get better, you should ask for multiple repetitions of the same thing to get the reward. Okay. Okay, so what are your takeaways from today? Focusing on the nonverbals and then matching it to the voice cue. Okay, I think I have one question. I don't understand the elevated bed. Yeah, it's a target. And so it makes it easier for the dog to see where the boundary is and for you to see where the boundary is. Okay. Because you have to have clear boundaries. If they're ambiguous and fuzzy, then how do you know when to tell the dog that doesn't work? And how does the dog know where the limit is? Okay. And so it's, solved, it, it's, a, very, it's, it's a very simple solution to, an, uh, to a real problem. Okay. Um, and then the other things that I need to work in is with the one, I need to take some time to figure out the treats that are incentive. Um, yeah, I think that's important. Like, you know, anybody in your life that cares about you, they should know what you like to eat. You know, that you should know your favorite restaurants and things of that nature. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think you should I think you should do the same thing, you know, for your dog. You should okay. really know you should really it takes a lot of empathy, but you should really know your dog. Okay. 
Okay. And then um, to give the, I think a little bit of repetition after the the target and bullseye are met, but this idea of kind of only showing after the work is done, I think that's beneficial for me. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's difficult for folks, by the way. Okay, so just be real patient with yourself, but just and you can go slow. You can go slow. Just don't show it to the dog until after the dog has actually done what you want it to do. Okay. 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 Did you say there was some other? Did you say that there was some other questions? I just had one other. Um, I actually had made a note. So she tends to communicate with me. I mean, I do pick up the nuanced differences in a high-pitched, drive-me-crazy bark when she wants attention. Okay. Um, so I've gone through the, okay, I've given you water, we've gone out, I've given, you know, and if, if it's not food time... You don't want food, so I've determined that it's really just attention. Do you ever get on the floor and play with your puppy? I do try at times, but sometimes I guess, I don't know if I don't have the right toys or she's not interested. Sometimes I feel like she just isn't interested, and then she's just sniffing away, and then I get paranoid that she's going to go to the bathroom. Well, you know, you can get rid of that paranoia by by attempting to play after she uses the restroom. And I do, and I think I still get paranoid because sometimes <laughs> it feels like she does, you know, she'll pee and then she's a double peer. Yeah, sometimes. So make that so you make that her problem, okay? If she's a double peer, when she goes and pees the first time, bring her back in and put her in the crate for 15 minutes. She's going to protest, okay. but that's okay. You can protest, okay. and then I know that's a little annoying, but let her protest, take her out, have her pee again if you if, if you think that that's what's going to happen, reinforce the behavior again to show, look, this is, this is how it works. Then bring her okay. back in and play. And look, if she screws up, great. Learn from that. Don't right. be mad at the dog. Be like, ah, I see who you are, and I'm way smarter than you are. Yeah, and I think I'm getting there because there have been, I would say, more times than not where I, like, an accident happens and I'm like, oh, that's totally my fault. Yeah. Because, you know what I mean? Because I do recognize, I was like, oh, I got distracted or I was really busy and I forgot this step before, you know, yeah. I got to go to A before it B. Right. Um, <laughs> so, well, I, I thank you. This has been very helpful. I did take notes um, and I look forward to trying to... Um, start to implement some of these things. This is wonderful. I just didn't know what to expect. Um, I literally, like I said, stumbled on it. I love listening to them. I get tidbits all the time. I appreciate your time right now. Um, and I just look forward to growing into this. Well, anything that I can do to help, I'm o I'm always happy. But man, everybody got a dog, so we're super, super busy. It's I'm never... Sure. It's, I'm sure. I'm sure. And you're in Texas. I'm in Florida. But um, just 
just very excited to kind of do this. And I, you know, I'll reach out if I, you know, I'll try to make it meaningful, but I'll, I'll reach out if I have. Yeah. And, and send me, send me a picture of your dog, man. Uh, you know, and you would probably make my day if you showed me your dog in healing position, that would make me really happy. <laughs> okay. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks. Have a wonderful day. Take care. You do the same. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. I'd love to be able to help you too. Want to know how? You can send me a text. Sometimes I'm able to have a quick conversation and maybe share some useful insights. Other times we just have a conversation like Michelle and I did. And here's the great news. It's 100% free. So text me. Here is that number. 832-734-5189. Again, that's 832-734-5189. Well, thanks so much for listening. I'll be back soon. Happy training.